0: From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails, garner great pet tips, and have a doggone fur flying fun time. So get ready for the paws and applause as we unleash your O behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore.
1: Welcome to the O behave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, no place on the planet is safe from natural disasters. I mean, even places we call paradise, like the island of Maui. Far too many lives were lost when the wildfires ravaged the town of Lahaini on uh, August 8th. And the recovery is still ongoing. That's why I'm very honored to have on my show today a real hero for all cats everywhere, including Maui. Please, at this time, welcome the co-founder of Neighborhood Cats, Brian Cordes. Welcome to the show, Brian.
2: Hi, Arden. Thanks so much for having me.
1: And uh, where exactly are you? Because I know Neighborhood Cats is based in New York City, but you're a man with a suitcase.
2: Yeah, my wife and I, Susan Richmond, who is the executive director of Neighborhood Cats, and my wife, we're...
1: (laughs) Very well put.
2: (laughs) Executive director first. wife. Uh, No, just kidding. We're based on Maui. We moved here several years ago from New York City to kind of start a new chapter for neighborhood cats, and we, we've stayed ever since.
1: And for those catching this on my Arden Moore YouTube, he is wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, move over, <laughs> Tom Selleck. All that's missing in this is your is a big, thick mustache.
2: But it's one of the great things about living in Hawaii. It's, uh, you, know, you can go to court and, and wear this, and you'd be fine.
1: Well, August 8th, uh, not a great day, was it? You're in Maui, right? So, yes. how far away were you from the fires?
2: Well, the fires were all over the island. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the most devastating one was in Lahaina. But when we went to, to bed that night, we saw 20, 30 foot flames um, several miles away from where we were. Wow. And, uh, you know, kind of hoped that they wouldn't be coming our way. And where I am, um, escaped any destruction. There were there were some evacuations, but nothing got destroyed. But there were there were a couple. So you know, I'd say two or three areas uh, that got got hit pretty badly, but nothing like uh, the town of Lahaina.
1: I mean, the images of people having to jump into the water. I mean, years ago I lived in Oceanside, California. I was about a mile from the ocean. I always thought if there was a wildfire that hit, I would drive and just go in the water. And many people did that, didn't they?
2: Well, many people had no choice. Um, There was almost no warning. They thought the fire had been extinguished earlier in the day. So when it picked up again, there there was nobody there to watch it. And then the winds were unusually high that day with uh, 50 to 80 mile an hour gusts. And they just blew the fire right down into the town, which being an old town, there's a lot of wooden structures and it just ignited in, in minutes. And since there was no warning, people just ran outside. And it's a town with very only a couple of, of uh, egress points. where so people got caught in traffic jams by the ocean. And yeah, some of them, you know, jumped into the water. And fortunately, I think most of them made it. But but some did not.
1: And then you've got the second aspect. There are we're worried about the people, but we know that our four-legged friends kept us sane for many years, especially during COVID. And also the community cat colonies are also so they're sentient beings out there that needed help so august 8th what happened on august 9th for you
2: well you know the the few weeks right after the fire were really very difficult for those of us in the animal welfare community because the emergency management officials would not allow us in to rescue pets or or community cats really i think what happened was that the fire was so devastating I mean, literally, the landscape is almost entirely ash and charred metal and some cinder blocks.
1: That's crazy.
2: and that's it for miles. So there was this assumption that you know, nobody and no animal could have survived. and they didn't want uh, search and rescue teams in because they were searching for bodies and remains and you know, this whole thing about that might be disturbed. And it was really very ignorant because the people who would have gone in at that time are highly trained. Exactly, Um, how to function in disaster areas, and it turned out they were completely wrong. There are hundreds of animals. There's already been like 700 animals pulled out of the burn zone, and there are still uh, several hundred more that remain in there. So, with the cats, what we think happened was when the fire started, the ones that were outdoors jumped into the storm drains, and yeah, they rode out the fire underground and came back up but they didn't allow search and rescue in for three weeks. And then search and rescue went in and uh, just started grabbing any anything with four legs that was moving. There were so many more than had been expected that the, the Maui Humane Society, the local um, shelter, right. became overwhelmed in a matter of days. They had to put a stop to the rescue part of it because they had no space and, and you know no idea what to do with these hundreds of cats. So at that point, they still wasn't a full understanding of how many were left. So they asked neighborhood cats to take over the operations in the fire zone. And we agreed to do that. And the first thing we did was start putting feeding stations out all over the place. Smart. Yes. Yeah. You know, so they had access to food and water. And we used like a- as high quality food as we could get from the donations and just try to keep them alive. And then slowly over the next couple of weeks, we realized there are hundreds of cats that are still out here And since then we've been kind of slowly extracting them, or I shouldn't say slowly, but at a pace that the local shelter system can handle because we we don't want to crash them again. And we don't want hundreds of cats getting sick, sitting in little cages. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, Two and a half months later is every night we go in with uh, trappers, every day we have people feeding. And as capacity is available to pull them out, we do that. And we prioritize uh, right now um, the more urgent cases. So medical any medical cases, most of them are taken care of by now. Any young kittens, unfortunately, there are very few. And uh, any cats that we can um, identify with, uh, match with owners, we're pulling them out. So it's a very selective as space. Sometimes a whole block of space opens up and then we'll go clear out a whole area and, and not do selective.
1: What a logistic challenge everyone we're speaking with brian Cortis, and he is with neighborhood cats he and his wife susan they're based on maui they've done a lot of great work we're going to find out later in the show in new york city and beyond this is a cat man do he knows how <laughs> to help cats and you're helping pet cats and community cats and i'm sure you found dogs too
2: a few i haven't personally but the dogs that survived were pulled out pretty quickly okay and we're probably talking a few dozen dogs they had a much rougher time as compared to hundreds of of cats and lots of community cats too yeah we we don't um we treat them all equally
1: i like that hey we are talking again with brian Cortis of neighborhood cats i want you after the show to please go to neighborhoodcats.org we're going to find out more and how you can help after we take this break so you all know the drill just sit purr we'll be right back
0: Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. behave is back with more tail wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore.
1: Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. He's been a guy on my radar for a while and I'm finally got him on my show. I have no excuse. This man has for many, many years been helping and championing all kinds of cats with the program called Neighborhood Cats. And before we dive more into Maui, can you explain a little bit about how you and Susan came to uh, create Neighborhood Cats and what's it all about?
2: Well, you know, it started with, I lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and I wasn't really involved that much in animal welfare, but I knew some friends in the rescue community and I was literally walking down uh, a block in my neighborhood and past an empty lot and I saw a bunch of kittens playing in the grass. So my thought was I would try to help them and pass them along to my rescue friends and uh, that would all get taken care of. (laughs) <laughs> right
1: yeah famous last you know, words
2: yeah yeah i always like to say that uh, i did what any good citizen would do which is i try to find somebody else to take care of the problem
1: okay <laughs> <Right>? you're honest <laughs> all right
2: well the more i dug into the situation i discovered there were 30 feral cats living in this inner courtyard and there were no services available and it was a situation at that time in New York City that was repeated literally thousands of times in every borough. So there was no opportunity to rescue them or put them in a shelter or find them homes. And I was told about trap, neuter return as an alternative. And actually the funny thing is at the time I was like, that didn't sound like a very good idea to me, you know, to take cats and fix them and put them back into this kind of dense urban neighborhood, but left with no other choice. Myself and a couple neighbors were working together. We were not going to euthanize you know, perfectly yeah, healthy animals. It's hard.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't.
2: So we caught them and we fixed them and we put them back. And it turned out to be very successful. It solved all the problems on that particular block. And then the rest of the neighborhood on the Upper West Side wanted to do the same thing. So we went from colony to colony throughout the Upper West Side. And then that was very successful. There was dramatically lower intake into the city shelter from our neighborhood so then uh, the City uh, ag- city Animals Agency started working with us, and then we started working with the ASPCA, and it just kept growing and growing from there.
1: Well, what were you doing to earn a paycheck at the time? What was your career?
2: I was working part-time as an attorney, um, oh. doing doing appellate law actually out of California, of all places. And I was also doing uh, video production. I was a director and editor for a, a small journalistic uh, production company that did sort of new york stories and distributed mm-hmm. them internationally
1: so here's a legal beagle helping cats
2: yeah yeah you know i certainly enjoy working with cats more than working with uh lawsuits and
1: at least you see the papers. claws and, and fangs <laughs> coming right from the cat cats don't hide their <laughs> feelings that we could go on that tangent for a while but you know there's something there was a calling wasn't it brian
2: you know i've always had an affinity for cats Mm-hmm. I, 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 since I was a young child, um, I've always had cats as close companions. And do
1: you remember your first cat's name?
2: Yes, my first cat's name was Spot.
1: <laughs> Please tell me the cat was <laughs> black and white, or what? What was that? Was real original Spot? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know we. <laughs> Back I, in the I day, was, yeah. I was
2: I was seven at the time, so I gave myself a little break.
1: What was Spot like? But the
2: black and white cat was Domino. Oh, of course. Um, okay. you know, spot Spot was tabby and white, and he had a big spot on his nose. So, but he was my buddy, you know, he would hang out with me all day and, you know, they'd go out at night and run around the neighborhood and then, um, just hang with me during the daytime and stuff. So, you know, after that, I always had, once I went to school or or graduated from college, I should say, I just always had cats either, you know, from a girlfriend or my own or rescue or so, uh, stepping into helping community cats was kind of a natural step. Sure.
1: Now, people need to know the definition of community cats. I know folks think of feral cats versus cats that live in homes, but it is 2023. So help us out.
2: So, Community cats is sort of this catch-all uh, term for cats that are living independently outside of you know your traditional homes. So you wouldn't call them pets, but they have a connection to people. They have uh, caretakers who come by and provide them with food and water, usually on a daily basis. And what we've learned when I started doing this work 20 years ago, we used to call all the cats on the streets feral. Yeah, I mean, meaning they were unsocialized, and you know you had to trap them in order to get them spayed and neutered. But what we've learned over the years is that there's such a wide spectrum of cats that live in this kind of de- semi-independent way, and they range from very friendly to extremely wild. So community cat is sort of an encompassing term. Gotcha. Or all the cats that live outside what we would consider a traditional home.
1: Well, I live in a community in Dallas, and I have to say, morning and evening we have a group. Now we give them names. We oh, have Sure. Tito, we have Bob because he has a little bit of a tail, not much. And several others. We actually brought in a cat named. We named Baxter, who had been on the streets apparently ten years. And loved, 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 every time we walked our dogs, Baxter, this fluffy tuxedo cat, would follow us. He's now in our house. He's been living with us for two years. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. (laughs) But you're right. There is a range. But they seem to wear invisible watches. And they know when you're going to put the food and water out. And then they kind of hide and look for you. And then you develop this little trust, I guess. I won't make you sing the song from Pink Trust Fall. but (laughs) <laughs> He's like, thank you. But think about that. I mean, what do you think about when a cat develops a trust, a community cat? That's that's a pretty neat gift to you.
2: There have been actually some research on this, but also just based on my own personal experience, that the bond between what uh, what we call a caretaker and their community cats is just as strong as the bond between a traditional owner and a pet. Wow! And if historically. When animal management and animal control efforts have failed, when it comes to cat overpopulation, it's because they haven't taken that bond into account. So if some municipality tries to pass a feeding ban, they're like, okay, we're going to we're gonna get rid of all the stray cats by making it illegal to feed them.
1: That's horrible.
2: And it's been tried hundreds and hundreds of times, and there isn't a single example of success. And the reason is because they're not taking into account that The bond between the person and the cats is so strong and they and you don't put a police officer on every corner 24 7 they're gonna find a way to feed their cats they're not going to let them starve and that's why feeding bans don't work or trying to remove all the cats from the community whether it's for euthanasia or that's usually what it ends up being Um, but even if you could put them all in some magical sanctuary somewhere that still wouldn't work because people are not going to cooperate, especially yeah. if the out- likely outcome is uh, death. So they'll they'll you know not tell you how many cats are there, or they'll feed them before the trapping, or they'll trip the traps, or they'll do everything they can to protect their animals. So when we do um, trap neuter return, which is what neighborhood cats is is the program that we're behind, that brings the people who care for the cats into the process
1: right be proactive because cats are taking care of rats and other things and you know i'm on team neighborhood cats
2: yeah yeah there's a lot of benefits to maintaining cats in certain areas certainly there's rodent control uh, but uh and and then there's just the emotional bonds it's just uh you know survey after survey shows that people prefer to leave the cats where they are and for every person that's complaining about them being there there's four or five who like Having the cat in their lives, so uh, just the way you did when, when you would take your dog for a walk, and I'm sure you really enjoyed having Baxter follow you.
1: He walked better off leash than our dogs did on leash, <laughs> and you could tell he was. You know, we were thinking, you know, this cat had been dumped. Somebody dumped this cat. That's probably the story. We uh, we also had brought in a one eyed cat named Mort whose ear was tipped, and everybody knows the left ear tip means they've been taken away their family jewels. And they will not populate. Leave them alone. <laughs> Just feed yeah. them and all. And he he lasted a couple of years. So we sort of scout out when there seems to be a friendly outdoor cat. And you can tell. And acclimating to our cats and dogs. But we've trained our dogs to think cats are gods. But Baxter, <laughs> can you imagine living for 10 years and then finally landing a home? He's the sweetest boy ever.
2: Well, you know, there's a lesson there too, which is that cats, that that. Feral is a is a behavioral description. It's not a biological state. Very and good. The same the same cat can transition from feral to tame and back to feral again if you know put out mm-hmm. in the wild. So it's really important to treat each cat as an individual that um, is going to evolve and develop on their own.
1: Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to find out more about how people who love cats and we know these disasters are happening everywhere can help neighborhood cats help the cats so sit purr we'll be right back
0: time for a walk on the red carpet of course all behave we'll be back in a flash right after these messages
1: molly here's your dinner zeus that's not your food
0: purchase your cat tree tray today go right now to cat tree that's cat tree tray.com c-a-t-t-r-e-e-t-r-a-y.com let's talk pets let's talk pets on pet life radio pet life radio pet life radio.com radio. holy hound dogs! hi this is burke ward and you're listening to the Old Behave show with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. Listen every week, same pet time, same pet channel. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to OBEHAVE. Here's Arden.
1: Welcome back to the OBEHAVE show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I have met a guy. His name is Brian Cortis living proof that real men love cats and this whole disaster in maui i know it's awful when you can't just go right in but the cats seem to be many of them seem to be very savvy i've seen some clips there was a cat named mambo that is actually like a, a white and torty cat and came out and looked like a gray cat because of all the soot and ashes and was able to be rescued and reunited with people what's the importance of i know it sounds basic get that cat microchipped
2: oh you know in a disaster scenario like this it's everything because otherwise so if we catch a cat and they have a microchip and it's current it's an easy reunification right it's a phone call when they don't have a microchip or it's out of date Then we're looking at photographs and we're trying to, you know, just try to match a gray tabby with a gray tabby, you know, (laughs) and then uh, in in the, during the disaster, people lost a lot of their photos. So they didn't have anything for us to match them with. And then in the disaster scenario of this scale, a lot of people are displaced. So they move off the island or they move into a hotel and then it becomes difficult to find them. And uh, the whole reunification process is really, really difficult. Uh, whereas with a microchip, the current microchip, it would be quite easy. So it makes all the difference in the world.
1: Well, yes, and maybe you can be the one being the teacher preacher here. It's great to get the microchip, doesn't hurt the pet, but a lot of people forget to register, correct?
2: Either they don't register the chip, so it ends up going back to like the local shelter, Yeah. Uh, you know, when when you're trying to trace the owner, or they move or their number changes and they don't keep it current. So it's important to just put it on your calendar once a year. You know, Make sure all the microchip information is up to date. Um, just like you would with anything else that was important in your life where you needed people to contact you.
1: I like that. I like that. So how can people help? I mean, I would love to fly out to Maui, cost prohibitive right now. But what are some things people can do in person and elsewhere to help neighborhood cats impacted by this wildfire in Behind
2: you. well you know we're we're very much partnering with the Maui Humane Society and in fact our work in the disaster zone is um under the Maui Humane Society okay so so they're really a crucial lead agency for the overall oper- I mean we're we're there for the trapping and the feeding and direct contact with the cats but they're responsible for the sheltering and the placement and the raising the provisions. So there's a number of ways people can help. You can go to MauiHumaneSociety.org and um, click on their wish list and donate food. Um, we, go, we go through you know probably 100 pounds a day uh, feeding these guys. There's also, you can, uh, you can obviously give a monetary donation, but they have a very interesting program at Maui Humane Society where if somebody adopts a cat from them, they will fly the cat to you at no cost really yeah and they'll do all the right i mean they're experts at this they'll do all the logistics and um they will get now you can come to maui and go home with a cat or they can fly uh, a kitty to you
1: years ago remember it was all a situation with rabies and other things so what is the policy now in the islands on the islands of hawaii for getting a pet or animal to one of the islands or getting one of them off the island to the mainland
2: well, there's no rabies in Hawaii, so getting animals into Hawaii is is pretty long process. It takes several months where you have to oh, get a couple still, of rabies okay. shots and then get titers and uh, get all the paperwork from your veterinarians. It's a process for sure, but flying cats out of Hawaii, because there's no rabies here, is a much easier process.
1: When you say titers, you're telling people it's just a another like a blood test to verify that the animal go on a big vacation with you has no signs of rabies.
2: Right. That there's that the antibodies are at the proper level right. and that the vaccines have taken effect, basically. So easy to take cats out. Hard to I bring them that. in.
1: Well, did you and Susan, your wife slash executive director? We don't know which one is your top position because, you know, we don't know. I'm teasing. Did you bring some cats to the island when you moved?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. We How did wrote that all of go? them. You know, it was uh it went much better than we could have hoped. I mean, it was it was definitely nerve wracking getting them all on the right kind of carriers and then erasing transportation to the airport and then they had to switch planes and but there are logistics companies based here in Hawaii that take care of everything for you. Nice. They schedule the planes, they have people there to make sure the transfers go smoothly. So it's really kind of this door to door uh service that they have. Um, and you have to do your part, which is, you know, all the medical and and stuff like that. But in the end, I mean, our guys had a fly for it turned out to be like 26 hours between wow. all the transfers and the delays and the time change and all that. And we had a 19 19 year old blind kitty, little black and white guy named Paisano. And we were most worried about how is how is this going to work, you know, how is he going to deal with this, right? And when we got to the uh, cargo terminal and picked up all the carriers and, and we we opened his door, and he just came out and he was just pissed off.
1: He didn't get to fly first class. You didn't give him <laughs> no, any cookies. He, he like, didn't get any cookies. Exactly,
2: exactly. He's like, what, what was that? You know, grumpy
1: old man. Grumpy <laughs> yeah. old man.
2: Yeah, but otherwise he was fine. So they took they took excellent care of him.
1: What are some things, if I may ask you, Mr. Former Attorney, well, once an attorney, always an attorney, and, and working with video production, what are a couple of things that cats have done to you for you to make you a better human, Mr. Brian Cortis?
2: Well, cats they have just as deep a, a, an emotional life. And if you if you don't define intelligence as what you're good at, which is what people do, right? You know, so you know, people are very good at uh, you know, algebra or so, so so we do IQ tests to see how good we are at right. and then we def- we define that as or wordle.
1: Come on, let's do right. the wordle. Yeah. Right.
2: So but if you look at it as intelligence as unique to like each animal has their own unique intelligence. And, you know, so cats are much more um sensitive to movement or to um I think they're more emotionally sensitive to people. They pick up things uh mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, obviously their sight and their hearing is and their sense of smell is far, far superior to ours. So kind of learning that and respecting that they are just as intelligent as we are in their own way is been real eye-opening. It's it's good to be humble as a person and not think that, you know, not define the greatest thing in the universe as yourself <laughs> and realize that we're all kind of different forms of life. So just getting to know cats and, and learning to respect that. And then also, it's like they get rid of their baggage pretty quickly if there you, you give them time and space. You know, like I've had very traumatized cats and then just let them stay in the closet for a week and then they come out and they're fine.
1: Well, I don't want to put you, lock you in a closet for a week and make it a lot better, <laughs> but there is a lesson in that because we get all, nah, nah. so how has that helped you address things like wildfires and Maui and other challenges?
2: You do what a, a cat does. You deal with the moment. You deal with what's in front of you. You you do what you can, and then you move on to the next day. I like and it that. doesn't it doesn't become an accumulation of oh, I should have done that or oh I should have done that. It's like, what can I do now? What can I do tomorrow?
1: Well, I don't know if you know, but I have the most active safety cat I'm gonna say in the world. And he hails from the San Diego Humane Society. He is a shelter alum. I call him alums. And hang on.
2: I think we're gonna get a firsthand look here. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I want
1: you That's a big boy. to meet pet safety cat Casey. He's a certified <laughs> therapy cat. And for those on YouTube, he's a he's a ginger boy who has never met a stranger or a strange place. He's been to 15 states and he wants to tell you, Brian, I want to thank you on behalf <laughs> of all female all felines for helping the cats in Maui.
2: <laughs> oh, Is it adorable. have you
1: been thanked by a cat before?
2: Never on a podcast.
1: Well, <laughs> he has a big heart and he knows that you're doing good things for other felines. So I just wanted you to know, even the cats are thanking you, Brian.
2: Oh, well, it's, it's my pleasure to be able to work with them. So,
1: all right. So we got to make sure people go to where to find out how they can help. Give us some of the links.
2: Go to uh, Maui Humane org, or you can go to neighborhoodcats.org.
1: Well, At this time, I want to thank my very special guest, Brian Cordes of Neighborhood Cats. Thank you again, Brian, for being on the show. I want to reach out and give a shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. He is the executive producer of Pet Life Radio, the longest running pet radio network on the planet. And humbly, you are all tuned in to the longest running pet podcast on the planet. And we've been on the air since 07. And we're still kids, right, Mark? Hey, Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Easy Arden Moore. And uh, I want you all to take care of your cats, see what you can do to help out the cats in Maui and elsewhere. And until next time, this is your flea free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four leggers out there. Oh, behave.